Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Well, looks can be deceiving. Looks can be deceiving. Um, You know, there's that age-old saying you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, and most of the time that's true. Not all the time, but most of the time. And uh, the reason I bring that up is because I may look like an athlete. I mean, but looks are deceiving. I, there is not an athletic bone in my body, okay? Like, I'm the clumsy one that's always spilling things. Do we have any spillers here? You know, and you're at, you know, dinner with your family, and you're like, oh, shoot. You know, and you're always spilling. That's always me. I'm always spilling. I talk with my hands, and I'll often slap somebody or something. You know, I'm just like, ha, ba. I'm always excited. I'm kind of always moving. It's funny because often when I'm speaking, I'm like, did you get any good pictures from my Facebook profile? They're like, no, you never stop moving. <laughs> like, I just can't stop moving. I get excited maybe because I've had six coffees today, you know. So it's the Lord and it's caffeine, but... But, but I'm just not very athletic. And when, when I was a kid, I, I really didn't play any sports at all. I was in Taekwondo, and who knows, that's for nerds, okay? So I, I, I like playing video games, you know. I had my white belt, you know. And uh, I could, I could kind of do a front kick. That's about it. And so whenever I would do sports or whatever, the team would kind of be like, yeah, you know, ah, I just don't think there's room for you on the team. So I didn't really play many, many sports growing up and, I had this one friend that lived on my block. His name was Mike Marcellin, complete legend. And when I was about 11 or 12 years old, he's like, Kobe, I know you're not very athletic, but I want to invite you to be part of a team that I play for. It's a softball team, okay? And I thought, softball, I was actually nervous. I'm like, so they're going to throw a ball at me? (laughs) And uh, he's like, don't worry, it's a softball. It's an underhand pitch. I'm like, that sounds better, okay? So no overhand pitches because that would definitely kill me, okay? I knew how uncoordinated I was. And and so I joined this softball team. I'm already embarrassed. (laughs) And uh, I remember, you know, getting up to bat for the first time. And I played two seasons with this team. My friend just included me. He was really nice. His dad would always bring me over. To, to the games and to the practices, and uh, I, I went up to bat, I don't know, once a game for, for two seasons. I literally hit the ball once, once. I got to first base, and then the next batter struck. So I got to first base in two years. That's all I ever did, okay? So, so, so my coach was like, man, you are terrible, so we are going to, we have to play everyone because this is fun kids league, so we're going to place you. Where do you place the bad players? The outfield, Okay. <laughs> And in the outfield, they put you in the outfield because when you're a kid, no one's hitting to the outfield. You just stand there, right? Basically, they placed me on the tanning team. You know what I mean? <laughs> just soak in the sun. <laughs> so I'm out in the outfield, and I remember my dad, he would rarely come to the games, but, but one time he came in, I was so proud that my dad was coming. I was all excited, you know? And I'm standing there in the outfield, and I'm praying. I'm like, Lord, if one ball just makes it out here. My dad will be so happy with me. And there's like a killer on the other team. You know, he was on steroids at 11 years old and boom, hits a grounder out to the outfield. And I'm not even, I'm not lying to you right now. I put my glove down. The ball rolled at me. It rolled up my glove, hit me in the jaw and knocked me out. (laughs) 
I wasn't out for very long, but I was like, I woke up on the ground, there's stars, and my, I see my dad. I look over at my dad, he's just like this. I had no skills, man. I was so bad at this stupid game. And, and so, so my coach, he was a good guy, man. And, and he was like, Kobe, I'm sure there's something that you can do. He said, I want you to go to the dugout, and I want you to think about it. And so anyways, I'm kind of in the dugout with the rest of the team. And I was thinking about it. I said, man, I can't hit. I can't run. can't catch, especially grounders. I'm afraid but I got a big mouth. So I started to heckle the other teams. <laughs> I remember going on the cage and being, hey, bada, 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 hey, bada, bada, ah, ah. And I just started to heckle those teams, you know? And, and, and it was crazy because it started working. And the teams, they all started playing worse. And my coach is like, Kobe, Kobe, keep that up. Whatever you, it's working. It's working, boy. And I was okay. And so I, I would get together with the whole team because I was a little bit of a leader back then. I'm like, we're going to make up a chant. I was kind of like in a boardroom meeting. I was marching around like, this is what we're going to do today. And that team's going down, you know? And I, I'm talking to the team. We, I remember we had this one chant. It was about shake and bake chicken. You shake it and you bake it. You shake it and I feel like chicken and I like, you remember that commercial? Come on, somebody. Anybody else born in the 80s? We used to sing these, com- we would just do silly stuff from the dugout. I'm telling you, we went from like the middle of the pack to like competing for the championship. Why? Not because I could run, not because I could catch, not because I wasn't afraid, but because I had a big mouth. Come on, somebody. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> championship team right here. MVP. Never even went on the field. Hello. Now, I was thinking about my sports experience, and uh, it reminded me so much of my church experience. Like, <laughs> I wasn't a church kid growing up. My, my mom kind of sang in the choir, but I didn't know Jesus till I was 20 years old. And I kind of thought, man, those church people are weird. I remember, I remember there's these Goosebumps books you could buy with Scholastic when I was a kid. Come on, somebody. Praise God for Scholastic. I remember reading this kind of scary little kid book in church, and this lady coming up to me with bad breath, like, that book is of the devil, you know? And she's got these weird eyes, and I'm going, I don't even know you. Like, why? You know? And and it wasn't good at the whole church thing. And, uh, you know, I kind of met Jesus, you know, later in life and didn't know anyone that went to church. And and, and my sister and her boyfriend just brought me to church. Hey, we go to this cool church, and, and they brought me to this church, and I went, and it was different than the experience I had when I was a kid, and, and I had no church skills at all. I was rude. I said swears all the time. I was just, I didn't fit, you know, and I had the kind of these tattoos, and I was kind of dressed goofy, and, and I walked up into this church, and I, I didn't know the etiquette. I didn't know how to interact with people at all. I felt awkward. But, but I went to this cool church where there was just like, man, people would just love me just the way I was. And it was like our pastor was kind of like that coach that was like, ah, he can't really do that or this. But, hey, hey maybe, you, Kobe, you got a big mouth, right? You know? And, and he, would just, he would just sow into me, man. And, and for some reason, it's that same big mouth that got me where I got today because I've been trash-talking the devil for the last 10 years, telling him to go back to where he needs to go. Not today, devil! I feel like chicken and I, devil, 
You know, and I just love the church. It's God's team. We're a bunch of misfits from all over with all kinds of problems and all kinds of weird experiences that, that would never normally hang out ever. Get together with our weird different styles and our, our weird different backgrounds and even our weird different beliefs in who God is and what church should be. And then we all get in the same room and we listen to someone talk and we do songs, which is just crazy. And then, and then we all hang out and then God uses that to change the world. That's a miracle. That's crazy. That's what we get to be. Man, I love the church. You know, there's nothing greater than finding yourself loving Jesus in a healthy church. There's nothing greater than that. I literally believe this with all my heart as I look through the Bible and as I've spent the last 10 years of my life serving Jesus, loving Jesus, being a part of church community, as awkward as it can be and, and as crazy as it can be and as weird as it can be, it is so wonderful watching God move through this crazy group of people. The Bible says that Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell, they won't prevail against it. Man, I love the church. We're talking this week about that question. I'm so out of breath right now. <laughs> Can you love Jesus and hate the church? Man, that's a loaded question right there. Because I've talked to people as a pastor for the last 10 years with people in my office crying because of something that happened to them or a miscommunication that happened or someone that was mean to them or man, the amount of people that are like, man, I got kicked out of church because of the kind of hat that I was wearing when I came in. Like, like I get that. And, and that, is, that is heavy and that is real. Like, like you were offended by church? True. Valid. Real. Okay. But, but as I look at the Bible, and I keep reading this incredible book that, that, that Jesus is trying to teach us how to live and how he's called us and how he wants to place us, I, what I see is can you love Jesus and hate church? And the answer time and time again is false. Like we, we actually, it, we can't. So, so, so loving Jesus is not a mountain we go to alone and meditate and do our devotions with our cute pen with the frilly thing on it, you know, and go, oh, and, and listen to oceans on our headphones, like, oh, Jesus, and oh, I just know you so much more right now. Oh, my. Like, like, that's amazing. Do it. Go. I, I actually met a pastor, and she said when I was a teenager, I went on a mountain, and I had a wedding ceremony with me and Jesus. <laughs> I do, Lord, you know. <laughs> like, you are a freak. <laughs> I love it, though. But, but, but do that. But, but Jesus says this in his word over and over again. But, but if you really want to know me, if you really want to love me, you're going to have to understand why I love the church. And you're going to have to learn to love what I love. And when you love what I love, as challenging as that is, as crazy as that is, as painful as that might be, when you press into that, you're going to know me so much deeper, and you're going to fall in love with me in a new way, and you're really going to know me. Because you can't love Jesus and hate his church. 
Now listen, I'm not talking about an organization because the church isn't an organization. Now, now definitely built into the church is like this gathering thing. Definitely built into the church is a leadership thing. Definitely there's a submit to one another and and reverence and and love and, and, and all those things exist. So it's not like everybody has it wrong when we meet on Sundays. No, 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 that's in the Bible too. But, but, but listen, when it comes to the order of what we do and, and the organization of what we do, we definitely don't have a right. We're, we're still figuring out how to gather together and do this relationship thing. But the, the, the true essence of the church, it's people. The, the word church in the Bible is ecclesia. It means called out community. It means the community of people. So it's not just the single people. It's the community people. There can be single people in the community, though, okay? You tracking with me? But, but it's the community of people that get together that are called by God to change the world. Jesus goes, I love that. Here, let me prove it to you in the Bible. Galatians 5, 13. Where the Bible says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's strong. That means this book, here's how we sum it up. Love each other. Like, see, those, those commandments God gives, they're loving commandments. Like, he's like, hey, don't kill anyone, okay? You're supposed to love them. He's like, hey, hey don't, don't sleep with someone else's wife. That's not cool. You're supposed to love them. Don't steal their stuff. Why? You're supposed to love them. He's painting a picture of what love is. And community looks like. So it's like, but let me just sum it up. Just love each other. Like, put other people before yourself. That's how you know me and understand me. But you might be saying, Pastor, that's wonderful. That doesn't talk about the church, though. That just talks about your neighbor. So, so I, I hear this from Christians all the time. It's like, it's like man, I, people are easy to love. But it's the church, right? Like those church people. Isn't it funny how it's so easy to love the people that aren't close to us and really hard to love the people that are close to us? I mean, I mean, that's not easy to do. Maybe this next scripture will help us. Matthew 25, 31 and 40. The Bible says this. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. This is at the end of time. It's a picture of the end of time. All the nations will be gathered before Jesus and he will separate the people one another as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. He'll put the sheep on his right and and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. And I love this. The people are, they're baffled. Like me? And look what they say. The righteous one says, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and, and clothe you? When did we see you sick and in prison and go to visit you? In other words, they're like, Jesus, we never did any of that stuff for you. Why, why, are, you, why are you giving us this kind of glory for something that we never did? And, and, and here's what Jesus says. He says, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. You invited me in. I needed clothes. You clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Let's just go to the next verse. 
would have, but here's what it says. Here's what it says then. It says, because when you did this to the least of these, of my brothers and sisters, you did it to me. And there's, here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you did all these wonderful things for me. Look what you did. You, you clothed me. You loved me. You served me. You visited me. And they're like, no, we didn't. God's like, no, 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 you did. Because when you did it to the least of these of my brothers and sisters, you were literally doing it to me. And I started reading a commentary on that scripture. It's actually a popular scripture if you've gone to church before. And we think, man, when we serve the world in that way, we're loving Jesus. And the commentator said this, that's true. You should love people who don't love Jesus. You should visit them. You should love on them. You should extend grace to them. But in this context, when Jesus says brothers and sisters, he's expressly talking about the church. I really feel like we need to take our mind to a place of, man, I love the whole world, but my first responsibility is to do something even more difficult, is to love my brothers and sisters in Christ. Because that is the body of Christ. And when I love them, Jesus is like, you were loving me. And there's Christian brothers and sisters who are hurting. And there's people who are in prison all over the world that, that need help because of their faith. And when you think about them and when your heart inclines toward them, you're actually loving me by loving them. You, you see, if you want to love Jesus, you've got to love the church. Because the church is the body of Christ. So not convinced, check this out. 1 John 4.19. The Bible says this. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister who they have seen cannot love God who they haven't seen. And he has given us this commandment. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. I mean, I don't think I can say it any clearer than that, church. Jesus is saying it's impossible to love me without knowing that there are people in this congregation that need your love and support, without being part of this body, as difficult as it may be. Man, family drama can be crazy. Can I get a big amen? We all have a crazy uncle, y'all. And, and that's just your family. In the church, we're getting all of our families together. And all these people that are going, and they're, we're all at different stages of faith. And we're all at different places in our walk with Jesus. And, and we all get in the same room and Jesus says, I need you to love them. And, and, and I hope you're asking the same question as me. And this is what I want to answer for the rest of this message. How? How do I do that? Because I've tried, and some of you have tried for years to love the church. You've tried and tried and tried and, and it's, been, it's been difficult. And you have friends and family that have tried to love the church and it's been difficult. I want to go back around to Ephesians 5. Because I think that there's a, there's a key in here on how we should do this today. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ of the church gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of water through the word. Present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands, you ought to love your wives as your own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. I love that, that Jesus says, here's what my relationship with the church is like. It's like a marriage. It's like a marriage. 
He says, do you, know, do, you know what, do you know what your relationship with the church maybe could look like? It could look like seeing the church, not as that person that was rude to you and that, that person that said that weird religious thing when you came in and that person that didn't care for you when you needed it the most because we've all had moments like that in church. And, and I mean, we've had amazing moments too, but so many of us, uh, we just remember that pain. But, but maybe we can see it like we're having a relationship with the bride of Christ. This is Jesus' wife. You, you know, I, I was thinking about how, how relationships work, and, and I love this picture. And, and uh, you know, my wife and I, like I said earlier, we've been married for nine years. We have four incredible kids, seven, six, four, and two. And my two-year-old, he was only one pound when he was born. We were in the hospital for six months. And, and he has, you know, oh, there we are on the screen. Look at that incredible family. Y'all thought I was 14 until you saw my family, right? <laughs> Praise God. There's my proof. <laughs> and, uh, but there's my, and my youngest son, he has cerebral palsy. He's got special needs, and he's just so amazing. And we're doing cool stuff with him. We were, we were, we were helping him walk to this, this week and like, this cool little walker, and he's trying it. And, and it's just it's amazing watching what God does. And so many people come up to us all the time. They're like, you guys, what a great family. You got, how do you do it? You're so busy, right? You know, like, and they're, they're kind of like, Oh, man, one day, oh, just to love each other, like, like, I'm not bragging, but people often will say this to us, like, how do you guys do it, (laughs) you know, and, uh, and and I think that's great, and I actually take that, I'm like, oh, I'm so honored that you would say that, thank you so much, but you know, we didn't start out this way, you know, we had to go through to get there, that was me, (laughs) I weigh 120 pounds in that picture, Look at that dork. What is that headband? I'm 18, okay? That's 14 years ago. You're like, he looks the same. <laughs> we, that's when I first met Jenna. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> we started there, you know? And, and you know what I'm doing there? I'm in Africa. I just got saved, so I went on a missions trip because I thought that's what they did. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I'm cleaning up some garbage in Africa, you know, because you know it's the greatest aphrodisiac ever? Loving Jesus with your whole heart. Come on, somebody. I was looking for a wife, dog. Come on. <laughs> love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Hi, I see you, girl. I see you, girl. I love you, Lord. <laughs> we started there. I mean, it was ugly. I'm telling you right now. It was, it was awkward. I'm telling you right now. And and, and we actually, while we were dating, we broke up three times, okay? Why? Because we're emotional people, okay? <laughs> we broke up three times, and we're trying to figure this thing out. We dated for 18 months, and then, then asked her to marry me, and then we have our engagement picture here. Look at how much we've grown. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Jenna's like, that's my man right there. Check out my, look at my ring. <laughs> ring in all the pictures. You know, the awkward ring pic, you know? But, but we... It was, it was a lot of arguments to get there, I'm not going to lie. Like, it was a, there, there was a lot of moments to get there, and, and it was challenging. And, and, and then we got married, and, and we made promises to each other. We sit there and said, I promise to do my best to love you no matter what. You promise to do the best to love me no matter what. That's what she said. And, and then, then we got married, and we're like, come hell or high water at the wedding. We said, we're going to love each other no matter what. No matter what happens. And guess what? Hell or high water happened. Then we started popping out kids like Pop-Tarts. Okay? 
when, when Jacob was three months old, we got pregnant with June. I was 24. I was terrified. <laughs> Didn't know what to do. And, and then we're, we're growing and, oh, the financial problems and trying to find a place to live. We live in Vancouver. It's the most expensive city in the world. And, 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 then, and then we had Judah. And he was in the hospital for six months, and it was like storm after storm after storm. And then finally, we got to the, the, the end one, you know? And we're here today. Hi. <laughs> That's why we look tired, you know? And Jesus goes like this. That's what it's like to go to church. That's what it's like. It's, it's like loving. He's, he's like my wife. It's like this marriage relationship. And, and, and you step into it, and, and it's new. And, and you're, you're kind of like not who you're going to be yet. So, so it's like pre-Jesus you and, and just us right now, and, and we're kind of getting to know each other. There's going to be some awkward moments. You know, we broke up three times. But, but then there was something about knowing that God had a plan and knowing that God had more that, that drew us back together. And, and then we made this promise to each other. And, and I believe this is a promise we have to make to the great pride of Christ, saying, I'm going to serve you, and I'm going to love you, and I'm going to do my best, come hell or high water. We're going to do this thing because life is short, and eternity is long, and there's a lot of hurting people that need Jesus, and, and I know that my calling's attached to this, and I, I know that purpose is hidden in the pain of pressing into this thing called the church, and I'm going to love you like Jesus loves you, because when I do that, I'm going to know Jesus more. Come on, does anybody love the church here today? Is anybody grateful that we get to serve? We get to be a part of it, and then we grow, and we go through things, but but God, God does something. You know, in my strength, our marriage, no way. We, I'm, I'm not lying. We would be done. We'd be, we, we've had to go through counseling. and We've needed help along the way. And, and if it wasn't for Jesus, you know how many times in marriage I'm like, I'm mad at her. She's mad at me. She'll come up to me. And she's like, Jesus said something to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like, Because it's not my strength. It's a God thing. And I just want to challenge you today, if you need to take a step into a painful season of re-engaging back in church again. Or maybe it's your first time and you're like, whoa, those people were so weird when I was little. And they freaked me out. And I don't, I don't know where you're at, but, but, but see it as Christ's bride and grow in grace for the church. Because that's what marriage is like. We just... We grow in grace together. And, and I stumble and she stumbles and, and we stumble. But, but God, he's so faithful because we made a promise to him. And, and he's amazing. Great is his faithfulness. And as you do that and as you step in again, and no matter what the past has been, I, I believe that God has a bright future for you in the church. I believe that the best is yet to come. Amen? Come on, let's change a city together. Come on, let's do life together for a really long time. I don't know you well yet. Wouldn't it be cool if 10 years from now we were still friends? We were still doing damage for God's house right here in Vancouver. We were seeing people saved together. Come on, you were living your calling. I'm living my calling. We're doing this together. Come on, that's the church, amen? Come on, give it up one more time for God's amazing church. I want to close with three reasons. Or sorry, um, yeah, three reasons we love the church. Three reasons. 
Number one, you can write this down if you're taking notes. I know everyone's feverishly taking notes as I speak. There's nothing greater than community. You know, I love the church. Man, there's nothing. When I got saved, I knew zero Christians. I got saved alone in my bedroom. And I knew one guy, he lived in Florida. I was living in, in Surrey. So you need to pray for me right now, okay? <laughs> oh, God, help him. Um, but, but, but I knew one guy in Florida. I just bought, bought a plane ticket the next day and went to hang out. And I lived there for six months in his house. As, as I, I, I met Jesus for the first time in this great thing called church. Why? Because I knew there was nothing greater than community. The drugs I was doing and the lifestyle I was living was no match for the great community of God. If I would just press into it, I knew God could heal me. I knew God could help me. I'm, t- I'm telling you, your friends form your future. So you better get around some good friends. Can I get a big amen? If you want to have strength to love people, you're going to need strong relationships. Look, relationships, they're reciprocal. It, mean, it means there's give and there's take. Relationships that are all take, not healthy. Not, if all you do is come to church and take, 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 you're never going to have a healthy connection to the church, and you're always going to be confused why your relationships never go deeper. Be, because relationships, they're always give and take. And, and listen, it, someone who's just give, 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 giving to a church, give, 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 giving, give, 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 giving, and there's nothing coming back. There's no love coming. That's not a healthy church. Because churches, I'm telling you, there, there's got to be a reciprocal relationship. We're, we're getting in a community where we can breathe again, where there's fresh air, where we breathe in and we breathe out. That's why I always challenge you to get involved. Listen, we, we want nothing from you. We want something for you. We, we so badly want something for you. We want you to discover your purpose. I spent 10 years as a pastor just giving in, in community in, in Surrey. I was actually a pastor out there, and, and it was wonderful. I loved every minute of it, and we, we, did, we did all these small groups and hubs, and, and, and I led a youth ministry with teenage kids and, and, and then, then a young adult ministry with some just like young professionals, and I would just pour my heart out every week and hang out. It was so much fun, and, and, and just a couple of years ago, about three years ago, my wife she was pregnant. She was 16 weeks pregnant, and she had a miscarriage. And it was just one of the most horrible things we've ever been through. And we were just shattered, and we had never been through anything like that. And she had to go to the hospital, and she had to go into labor, and it was so scary. And I will never forget this as long as I live. I had my phone in my pocket, and we posted something on social media. Praise God for Instagram. And uh, p- please pray. Like, we're going through a hard time right now. And all of a sudden, my phone, it was like it was taking off. It, it's like there was a machine gun going off in my pocket. I'm telling you, my phone got so hot, I, need, I was like, ah! And I need to put it on the end. It was shaking like this. You know, it was like Monty Python. Not, not quite. It, so many people called and texted me at the same time that my phone died. Why? Because I was part of community. Because we had been sowing and giving and loving. And, and the church came around and loved and, and helped and, and said, I'm praying. It was just, I'm praying for you. Is there anything that we can, you need to get part of this community called church. And, and you might be like, Pastor, I went through something tough. I'm telling you, get part of a healthy church. 
Get, get, sow your heart into it. Love people again. Get around people. I'm telling you, when you walk through something hard, God will put people around you that can reach out to you, love you, give you wisdom, give you help. Come on, somebody. It's called the church. I can get the band to come up. Point two. There's nothing greater than serving. There's nothing greater than it. So Jesus even says this in his word. It's actually, it, it's part of what we say in our culture statement at Vivid Church. There's nothing greater than serving. Because Jesus says, hey, you know who's the greatest among you? One who serves. Here's what the Bible says too. So much more blessed to give than it is to receive. You want to be most blessed? Live this life of loving people. And watch as your joy just elevates. Watch as your strength begins to come back again. You know, the Bible says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And watch as you need less from others as you give more to others because God begins to meet your need. God begins to help you. God shows up. Here's what the Bible says, Psalm 92, 13. It says, those who are planted in the house of God flourish in the courts of God. Later it says, you're not going to look any older if you serve, too. It actually says that. Read it for yourself. Come on, somebody. 50-year-old in the house like, I'll receive that. Come on, somebody. Let's go. I'm signing up. I remember reading that for the first time thinking, flourish. Do I want to do that? What is that? And, and I learned that it's the season of a plant when its identity is revealed to the world. And watch, here's what the Bible's saying. When you plant yourself in a church and you begin to give to the soil and receive from the soil, you know what plants do? They, they take... They take carbon dioxide, they make oxygen. They, 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 they breathe. And when you, when you give in a church and, and you come and you're a part of it, all of a sudden you realize why you were born. Because you weren't born just to discover your purpose alone. You were born to love the people in the church, to serve them, to help them. Our team, I watched them flourish as they set this thing up because they have new purpose. They, they see what God sees, and it's so amazing. So I want you to get planted in church because there's nothing greater than serving. And the last thing that I have to say today, just in closing, is there's nothing greater than winning souls. There's nothing greater. And the Bible says, he who wins souls is wise. There's nothing greater than seeing people meet the Jesus you met and watching as you didn't do it, God's doing something, though, in their life. And they're, they're loving God more and the chains are falling off. There's nothing like that. You know, our church, since we started our church, we, we've seen over 100 people meet Jesus for the first time. Yeah, come on, you can clap for this. It's incredible. We just started. We're in high school. Some of you remember Britannia. Come on, somebody. People can get saved in Britannia. Jesus is real. Come on, somebody. Let's go. In the basement of a library, someone's like, man, I, I need this Jesus you talk about. And, and then their life changes. And then they're on the team. And, and there's something that happens when, when you're a church that's focused on loving people where, where people start meeting Jesus and, and your life has more meaning because there's nothing greater than, than making an investment in something that, that's, that's paying dividends in heaven, in souls. Man, I want to tell you a story about my friend Lewis. It's crazy, my friend Ryan's here today, he's part of this story, but I have a picture of me baptizing Lewis right here, and yeah, he's jacked, okay, <laughs> and uh, man, Lewis was uh, an amazing part of our church, and, and actually my friend Ryan brought him to church, and Ryan met, met Lewis through a recovery program, and Lewis was 
um, a recovering alcoholic and, and came by our church and, and he gave his heart to Jesus. And, and it was so cool. You know, I, I, my favorite is when the big six foot four, 250 pound muscle guys are crying with their hands up in church. That's my favorite moment right there. I'm like, got him. <laughs> and, and Lewis just got so passionate about church. He's like, I, I want to I invite people. And, and he was kind of a tough guy, but, but he got fired up and he was going to a, a hub that we had at our church. And, and he just started bringing people, just started bringing people. And people started meeting Jesus because Lewis was so excited about Jesus. And, and, and Lewis just got pumped about church. He used to say, man, this is, this is my home. This is, this is my spot. And, and I can imagine that Lewis has been in some church experience that weren't so good. That, that maybe he, he had been judged in the past, but, but he put all that to death because his new life got him so excited about winning souls and being in community and serving, and he couldn't imagine the grace of God would be so good that he just started loving people and reaching people. And it was just amazing. Our church was growing because of Lewis. And, and, and I'll never forget, I was driving uh, up to Seymour Mountain at like 11 p.m. with a friend, and Ryan, he calls me, and my phone rings, and, and he, he's tears on the other end. He says, Lewis passed away. Lewis passed away, and we don't really know what happened, but it looks like he could have relapsed. I remember it just hit me like a ton of bricks in my chest. And I, like, I was like, no, man. And I was just grieving, and Ryan was obviously upset as well. And so we planned the funeral, and I was so honored. His family asked me if I would speak at the funeral. And, uh, man, I'll never forget that, that funeral. It was one of the saddest days of my life, but it was also one of the best days of my life because I watched you know, I'm a pastor. I get up there. I'm supposed to know what to say. And I'm just like, ah, <laughs> just crying like a, like a doofus, you know, not knowing what to do. And I just sat down. But then all of Lewis's friends started coming up. And there are these big guys. And they're like, because of Lewis, I know Jesus. I, I know where Lewis is right now. He's partying with Jesus right now. Come on. He's up. He's free. He's freer than he's ever been. He's loving God more than he's ever loved them. And, man, he's keeping me focused. We're going to make the devil pay. Come on. And I went, man, these guys can preach right here. First time in church. He's a preacher. You know, you know what they had this revelation of? There's nothing greater than winning souls. There's nothing greater. And as Lewis, in the short time that he knew Jesus, pressed into this thing called the church, I'm telling you, heaven is bigger. Heaven is greater because he discovered something worth doing. It's, with the, it's the church. You, you know, I want to just close with this, and then I want to pray for you, Ben. You can, you can play something, but you know, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is building his church, and the gates of hell, they're not going to prevail against it. Yeah, I want to remind you that hell's defense is no match for heaven's offense. I've never been attacked by a gate before. Never had a problem with that. I am clumsy, never had a problem with the gate. But, but the Bible says that those gates of hell, that, that when we press into Jesus, that lives are going to be changed. Souls are going to be one. There's nothing greater than serving Jesus. You showing up to church, you being passionate about the church, I'm telling you right now, it's, it's going to change eternity. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church. 
or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.